How are you guys doing? This episode is sponsored by Atlas VPN. I'm going to go ahead and start this video off by letting y'all know the gentleman that we had on that we interviewed inside of Ukraine, whose name was Victor, has been killed in action. If you guys would like to go and watch it, uh, that is the interview with him. It's titled, On the Ground in Ukraine, Ukrainian Soldier Tells All. It's a great interview, and it's just over 11 minutes long. So if you guys would like to hear this gentleman's story about why he decided to go fight inside of Ukraine and ultimately pay the highest sacrifice, then go and give it a listen. It's really good. Now, I didn't know the guy personally. The guy that we had on here, James Vasquez, was really close to him. He was a British guy. Uh, Victor was. Or he was in the British military, that is. Anyway, long story short, just go ahead and go listen to it. It's really good. Uh, and that's pretty much that. I wanted to give you guys a heads up. But before we get inside the Ukrainian stuff, I wanted to touch base on something that Joe Biden has actually said last night. So he had stated on a 60-minute interview that the United States would actually use American troops to defend Taiwan if China decided to actually invade the country. This is a fairly big deal because we haven't ever heard this type of statement come from anyone at the White House and even more so from the Commander-in-Chief. No matter your views on Biden as a leader, I think this is a great stance to take. And yes, it could lead to a much larger war, but him putting this out there will 100% undoubtedly make China re think the Taiwan invasion that has been on their mind and they've been talking about for a while do they really want to go to war with America over an island you know what I mean they want to be in the same position that Russia is right now completely isolated from the world now there's really no way to insert a clip like the one I'm going to share with you guys because it's just weird but I thought I should share it with you because it's coming from the Russian proxy official that's down inside of Kyrgyzstan now you understand why this was a strange clip Indeed, it was it needed to be inserted. And apparently, this is the new agenda they're trying to push that the Ukrainians that are down inside of Kyrgyzstan are not just Nazis, but they are Nazis that will come and eat your Russian children. Very weird. Very strange. Some disturbing stuff that is also coming out of Kharkiv. It's going to be very weird. This is one of the areas that were held by the Russians previously. That they're now just pushing through. Kind of the same thing happened in Bucha. Now, multiple individual and mass graves with bodies, including children, some with signs of torture, have been discovered. 450 bodies so far have been uh, exhumed. Uh, these are civilians with traces of violent death, torture, and buried inside the forest. This is coming from the governor of Kharkiv. Now, Russian soldiers created a torture chamber in the village of Kozocha Lopan. Okay, this is also in the northern part of Kharkiv. Law enforcement officers established uh, that during the occupation of the settlement, representatives of the Russian Federation created their own law enforcement agencies inside the basement of the headquarters that they then set up a torture chamber where civilians were subject to inhumane torture. During their inspection, police seized documents confirming the functioning of this Russian police department and recovered an actual like object used to torture civilians. And if you guys thought the Russians were just there to save the Ukrainians from themselves, well, don't worry. I have something I'd like to share from you. This is an intercepted phone call that has been published by the SBU that is fairly disturbing when you actually read what they're saying and what he's actually, what she's asking her husband to bring back. Now, just imagine having these type of people inside your ranks where they're wanting them to send photos of soldiers cutting another one's heads off to share with their family or possibly taking a jacket off a dead Ukrainian so you can then use it in the bedroom for your own weird fantasy. Yes, this is all happening. This is all real. It's so weird. I, it's so weird. Now, Atlas VPN was actually created to make internet accessible for secure for everybody. Currently, it has over 6 million users worldwide, and I'm one of them. This is more than just a VPN. It blocks all malicious links, ads, and trackers, and notifies you when someone is trying to steal your data. Can't access friends or, like, legendary shows on your Netflix while being abroad? 
I had to do this when I was inside of Belgium. That's not a problem anymore because LSVPN has you covered. Right now, they are running a huge discount. It, it means you can literally get a three-year subscription for just a dollar ninety-nine a month with a thirty-day money-back guarantee. Time is running out, so get your deal by clicking the link at the very top of the description. Yes, that is right. All you got to do, you're looking for somebody in Google and you want Atlas VPN actually to help you out. It will make it to where you're still getting real and organic search results and do it without someone actually tracking your activity. Atlas VPN protects all your devices with one single subscription. So make sure to check it out. There'll be a link at the very top of the description. Atlas is running a huge discount. Like I said, you can get a three-year subscription for just $1.99 a month with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Time is running out. So get your deal by clicking the link at the very top of the description. Thank you so much, Atlas VPN, for sponsoring this episode. And if you guys had any doubt about the Butcher Massacre and the most recent one that's going out of Kharkiv, uh, that's just found in Kharkiv, if you think they're not real, this clip itself will help you get an understanding of just how the Russians feel they should be seen by everybody in the West. Now, the more I watch clips like this and the other ones, we've, we've seen a whole ton on here, and the ones I'm going to show you guys here later on, it's harder for me to feel sorry for the Russian civilian population as a whole. They're being fed this stuff daily, and I just sometimes am lost for words because they're okay with being the enemy of the world and want to instill fear on everybody. Now, when the war is done inside of Ukraine, they're going to have to tuck their tail and run back to their country. I hope they tone down their ego just a tad bit and, and go into hiding for a while and realize they aren't as powerful as they think they are because they're nothing more than a cowardly bully that's been picking on another country or picking on someone that's like a quarter of their size. An eighth or like, what, like, seriously, a tenth their size. How, how big is Russia in comparison to Ukraine? And they're getting their teeth kicked in, right? Now, I knew no, they're going to do just about anything to make sure they do not lose the war inside of Ukraine because it will make them look weak. And now they're openly talking about just targeting critical infrastructure with inside of Ukraine openly. Now, I personally don't see this as being the path to any type of victory for the Kremlin with regards to Ukraine. And this dude's clearly a traitor if he's, if I've ever seen one. Uh, he lived inside of Ukraine for 40 years and wants to completely take out everything that the civilian population there needs to sustain their everyday lives that's currently being destroyed by the invading Russians. Like, here are some more figures. We, we talked about Russian losses a few days ago. But right now, the Russians have sustained during the so-called mil special military operation in the last couple hundred days, uh, I think it's like 208 days or whatever it is, Russia has lost 54,250 troops that have been killed in combat. These losses are three times the number killed in their 10-year Soviet war, which was 14,453, and now they're approaching the total number of Americans killed in the entire Vietnam War. This is not even in a year of, of the Ukraine war, 200 days. Now, speaking on running out of resources, because this next piece is somewhat ironic after going over those latest figures that I shared with you, the Russians are claiming that the Ukrainians are running out of resources and men to fight, which is somewhat funny because they just took back a massive piece of their land from this invading Russian force just this past week. Play Julia Davis' clip more. Now, can we please just remind the 7% of the people who watch these videos who are actually from Russia and who speak Russian, uh, because it's apparently something that needs to be said. You aren't fighting against NATO currently. And if you were, you would have already been pushed back into your own country within a few days of us actually coming into this fight. You are fighting against the Ukrainian military using a very small fraction of NATO's weapons. So just imagine if you actually had to fight against the enemy that's a bit more trained on the equipment they're utilizing. So now, I just need to pause here for a second because I'm a little bit confused and I basically live my entire life right now talking about the events that are happening inside of Ukraine. I need, I need you guys to fill me in on something. Where's the decision-making hub that's inside of Berlin that is 
really just telling everybody in Ukraine what to do. Этого не надо бояться. Если брать потенциалы России и НАТО, НАТО потенциал три раза больше. Now, I don't want to be that guy, but no one in the West really is yapping about these nukes or putting boots on the ground inside of Ukraine. This is the same talk we've seen from the cowardly Russians over and over again. I don't think it's going to end until they realize they're backed inside of a corner and only have one option, which then should honestly make everybody in the world a bit worried on what they intend to do. So the O-Skill Defensive Riverline, this is what I'm talking about right here. That's, that's what we're going to call it from now. It's actually slowly crumbling, which is a great concern if you're on the Russian side of things. Some of the reasons for the Russians' failure to actually hold Kharkiv is starting to show as well. The recon side of things within the Russian military is very, very, very poor, meaning it's damn near useless. It is apparently just consisted of advanced contact with infantry and armor when it should have been more or less utilizing air-to-ground assets or air-and-ground assets for recon purposes. This is what made the Kharkiv offensive so ripe for surprise, which they clearly took advantage of, that is the Ukrainians, just not inside of Kharkiv, but inside other parts of the country as well. Now, one thing that is becoming very clear is the fact that it will be very difficult for the Russians to actually continue the fight um, out east if they if they don't respond to the current threat that they have along the Oskil River front. If they cannot hold off the Ukrainian advancement through Kupiansk, it's going to be very it's going, to, it's going to be a greatly affect the outcome of the Russian offensive in the eastern side of the country due to the fact it will significantly impact their ability to get supplies to the northern side. So this whole northern side is what I'm talking about. Pretty much right here. It's going to greatly affect it. Now, it also seems that the Ukrainians are applying pressure in the right spots because they've been able to actually get some of their men across the Donetsk River and have liberated a few more areas since we last spoke. By the way, I will be hunting over the next couple of days and I'll be back home. So just so you guys know, you're wondering why my backdrop is a bit different. That's why. All right. So this is the bigger map, which you guys know. We're going to talk about this is the areas we're going to talk about. Let me clear this up for you. So we're going to talk about this area, and then we're going to shift down, and nothing's really happened here and or here. But then we're going to shift over to Kyrgyzstan, just so everybody's new. This is the Kyrgyzstan front, all right? So everybody's new to the mapping of Ukraine. Now, the Ukrainians are currently applying pressure to Lyman from multiple sides and have actually asked the Russians inside of Lyman to surrender. Yes, you heard me right. They asked the Russians inside of Lyman. So here's Lyman right here. That's Lyman, all right? They've asked them to surrender. They're applying pressure from all these different sides. I mean, they, they're really applying pressure. And clean this up real quick. So, the Ukrainian military has just built a pontoon bridge just outside of Boho Road in China as well, which is clearly going to allow them to move heavy equipment across to the other side to help facilitate their current offensive. So, Boho Road in China's right here. That actually, that bridge was blown by the Russians. Uh, I think I don't even know how long ago it was, like two months ago. Like, if the Russians aren't able to hold Lyman, they're going to have to find themselves a new defensive line to hold. And I think that'll actually end up being the P06 route, which is clearly a bit of ways. So, this is the P06 route I am talking about right here. I believe the Russians are going to have to retreat back to here to hold this line. They're going to have to. I believe so. Now, it is. Now, I don't think it's going to happen real quick. But as you guys can tell in the mapping, it's going to be very crucial for them to hold this line to hold Severin Donetsk and Lischinsk if they if they had hopes to, if that's what they want to do. Now, speaking about this area, by the way, actually, you know what? Back check a little bit. I'm going to show you guys the areas that have actually been liberated since we last spoke. So here's Lyman right here. We know that this was liberated about a week ago. The Ukrainians have been pushing all the way across. Basically, all this section you guys see right here that I'm outlining has been liberated over the last two-ish to three days. All that area. So they are to continue to push over and they have got across the Donetsk River, which to me is pretty, pretty shocking. I didn't think that was going to happen. They're going all the way through. They're actually, I mean, it's crazy that they're, they're actually asking the Russians if they want to surrender inside of, inside of Lyman. That's nuts. Now we're going to shift these here. Boho Rodic, or uh, it's not Boho Rodic, excuse me, Bilorvika right here has been liberated. Okay. 
they have actually liberated and pushed an element north as well as south. So this northern element, imagine this. So this northern element pushes out of Bilirubica and they're able to take this main route that connects Crimea to Zatchin, which is just north of Lyman. That will effectively cut off all the Russian troops inside of Lyman. So the Russians are in a weird spot right now. They're going to have to pull back. If this element right here out of Boho China actually pushes up and has some success, they're going to have to retreat. They're going to have to or they're going to get cut off. 100%, like without a doubt, the men inside of the Russian inside of alignment are going to have to retreat. I'm telling you guys that right now. I don't normally do this, but if the Boho Rodichine area right here, if they're actually able to push more north and northeast, that's going to cause the, the, the men inside of alignment to shift their resources that way. And the, the men that are coming out of Bilirvika actually push up going northwest. They're going to force the Russians to retreat 100%. Now, the video I'm about to show you proves the town of Bilirvika has actually been liberated. Like I said earlier, there's been no change on the eastern side all the way through here. The Russians are continually trying to push through Solaror onto Bakhmad and Zaitsev and all this area through here. Nothing's happened. Now, we're going to pretty much shift over. Oh, yeah, by the way, the, the video we posted yesterday was actually filmed in this area. If you guys did not know, we posted another. It was a uh, another docu documentary. It was a short one, but it was on that side of the country. So now we're over here in Kyrgyzstan. All right, so there's been no real change on the eastern side of the country, so I shifted over to Kyrgyzstan. Now, the Ukrainian military has actually conducted 13 close air support missions, CAS missions, over the last 24 hours inside of Kyrgyzstan against Russian armor and Russian troops. The Ukrainians were actually able to take out three Russian air defense complexes on the northeastern side of the city itself, which is going to allow the freedom of movement for the Ukrainian air assets, such as UAVs and fixed-winged rotaries. These air assets were actually on this area right there. So they actually took those out. They also destroyed or shot down five Russian UAVs in the last 24 hours, along with a KA-52 attack helicopter. They're also having a bit of issues with some partisan activity within the city of Kyrgyzstan proper itself where I've seen videos floating around showing the Russian military in actual firefights with what looked to be civilians. But these are the same individuals we've been talking about for about a month or so. They've been sending back grid coordinates to the Russian or of Russian positions to the Ukrainian artillerymen to actually do work inside of the city, like destroy all those ammunition depots and stuff like that. They're basically the eyes and the ears of the Ukrainian military inside the city itself. Now, there's also a chance the Ukrainians have actually expanded their bridgehead right here. All right. I'm not 100% for sure it has been confirmed but this we're going to wait another day or two to get confirmation but i believe they've actually pushed through and actually taken back and liberated this town and have continued south which is a big deal because we spoke about this if they can somehow take control of this area they're going to cut off all the troops in the northern side okay so we all know this i've been talking about this for about two weeks now so this pretty much sums up what's going on inside of Ukraine. They're applying pressure in the north and east, uh, excuse me, the north northeast side of the country, which is going to hinder the Russians' ability to advance anywhere else inside of the country because they're going to have to shift resources to stop the bleeding that is happening up near Lyman and Kupiansk. If both of these cities fall, there's a good chance the Ukrainians could possibly expand their white space even further east in the coming weeks. So stay tuned. I do love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with me. And thanks for watching these videos. I do love you guys. I'm out.